You're releasing that stuff that is not actually you and you're getting back to the core of who you are. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. We all want to feel good and happy and fulfilled and joyful and confident at work. I think it's a universal desire that all of us want to attain, but it can be difficult to get there. I think sometimes we get in our own way and sometimes we prevent ourselves from feeling good. And also sometimes our external circumstances make it difficult for us to feel the way that we want to feel and to have the experience that we want to have at work. And sometimes when we're not quite feeling the way we want to feel or we're not experiencing the experience that we want to have professionally, it can feel difficult and we can feel stuck and it's not the most fun place place to be. But the good news is that when we're in those situations and we're trying to get from point A to point B and we're trying to feel better in many different ways, as much as that isn't totally fun and it isn't always the situation we want to be in, it can be an enormous opportunity for personal growth and it can really help us become stronger as people. And the other piece of good news around this is that a lot of that change and evolution and getting from point A to point B and becoming stronger is way more within our control than we think it is. And the topics that you are going to hear about in today's conversation are all around that journey of getting from point A to point B. Whatever that means for you, it could mean going from feeling stressed out and overwhelmed to having some perspective and feeling more joy and ease and peace in your job. It could mean going from feeling hesitant and afraid to feeling more confident and trusting that we you bring to the table is enough. And I am so excited that I got to have today's conversation with today's guest, Charlotte, who you will learn more about. Because as a life coach and a women's empowerment coach who has also been in the nine to five world, she brings such a fresh and helpful and uplifting, optimistic perspective to so many of the struggles that we often get caught in in our professional lives. This conversation is so much fun. And because it's a bonus episode and because it's summer and because I got to know Charlotte and I've had her on the show before, this interview is more of a laid back conversation. We were kind of just sharing our ideas and experiences and she shares a lot of interesting perspectives from her coaching work. And it was just a really fun one for me and I'm hoping it'll be the same for you. So with that, I want to get straight into the conversation with Charlotte, who is our first reappearing guest on the show. So be sure to check out my other conversation with her, which is episode seven. But for right now, let's meet Charlotte and let's all reflect and learn about how we can bring more confidence and ease and joy and fulfillment into our lives and into our jobs. Enjoy. 
My name is Charlotte, and I have been on the show before as Charlotte Myers. Generally, I'm around as Charlotte K or the Airy Fairy Feminist, and I am a life coach and podcaster, and I really focus on supporting women in taking back control of their life. How I got here is a story. So I'm from Michigan. I went to college here. I studied women's studies and then I did an internship program in fundraising and development. And that has sort of been my career up until this year. So 2019, I have worked at an institute of higher education at both the graduate school as well as the women's center. And I've also worked at a small LGBT nonprofit and been on the board of a different LGBT nonprofit as well. And so my whole career has sort of been in fundraising and in supporting a cause by bringing in money that then could help transform people's lives. As I was exploring the realms of mindfulness and meditation and personal development and manifestation and crystals and woo-woo and like all these other things, which had not been part of my life growing up at all, I started to shift in what I wanted to focus on. And I started to get back to my original goal of supporting people directly as opposed to bringing in money that then supported people. That is when I decided to dabble in creating a business. Then in the span of a year, kind of went all in and quit my full-time job. Then actually a part-time job just flowed into my life right after I quit the full-time one. So I was like, oh, this will be a great transition and that will be ending soon. So soon I will be full-time in my business doing coaching and various other things as they come up, like teaching mindfulness a couple of times a week for my former employer, actually. (laughs) Wow. It's really cool and exciting to see your business and your career evolve and grow. And it's a treat to interview you because you were so recently on the other side. And I feel like you can be like the double-sided mirror who can really bring like the perspective of a coach who helps people feel empowered and like you said, in control, but then also you've lived so much of this fairly recently. So this is going to be fun. And we're going to start with a few questions about you. And then we're going to move into the theme of the episode, which is joy and fun and happiness. Awesome. So first, just digging into your experiences, can you share a little bit about what was tough or challenging for you in your early career or really any time in your career? But for me, my early career was my most challenging. So I assume it's like that for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I will say by the time I left a nine to five, I was pretty zenned out about it. I think in early career, I think a couple of things come up for me. One is age. I was often the youngest person in an office. Actually, even when I left my last job, I was still the youngest person in the office. Um, So that has been true for me for a lot of my career. And I used to get really hung up on people seeing me differently because I was younger or me not pushing back as much because I was aware of how young I was. So that was challenging for me, especially in one of my first full-time jobs. That was a challenge. And then control wanting everyone else to do what I wanted them to do. Now that definitely has spanned outside of career for me. That's sort of been my whole life. And then it was getting into the workplace and realizing that even though we're all on the same team, we're going for the same things, like there can still be 
difference of opinion and how we should get there. Um, and especially when I had deadlines and I had things I was trying to accomplish or get done and I needed other people to play a part in that. And then they didn't. That was very frustrating for me because I very much thought I knew exactly how to do everything and people should just listen. And this was the right way. And now let's go all together. I've always been very direct and um, some might say bossy from a very, very young age. So that played out in the workplace as well, which is why one of my first bosses was the most hands-off boss I have ever had, which was amazing. I would not work well with micromanagers at all. Um, and she wasn't, but I had another colleague who was a bit of a micromanager who was not my boss, but she was older than me. So that is where those two tensions came into play together. Mm. It's interesting how control has a way of getting magnified when things like deadlines come. There are just certain things like deadlines, pressure, whatever. And then all of a sudden, I know for me, I can like feel it coming and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And I think one of the lessons I'm like in this life to learn, one is that you can't control anybody else, no matter what, Mm -hmm. like period, the end, which is kind of cool because then you can realize that no one else can control you. I feel like I get that lesson most of the time. I've, I've sort of learned that now. The other one I'm learning, which goes along with that, is patience. Not necessarily even with other people, but just with like, I want things to happen faster than they do. So I keep learning the lesson of patience over and over again. I relate to both of those a lot. Maybe we'll do a future episode just about patience and control yeah, and ambition without control, Mm -hmm. because I think it can be hard. Like I identify with being a very ambitious person and it could be hard to hold on to that and let go of control at the same time. I really struggle with that. Yeah. Whole can of worms. But, um, okay. You hit on this a little bit. I was going to ask you what you're working on now, just from like a personal or professional growth standpoint? Oh gosh. Well, as a life coach, helping people, you're pretty much always learning and growing in some way. So it's very rare that I'm not working with a coach or taking a course or listening to a podcast. I need to remind myself to take breaks from all of that sometimes because it can be a lot. Um, But as someone who is continuing to help other people with their lives and help them create the lives that they want, self-awareness is just huge and acceptance and openness and non-reactivity and like all of those things. We're humans on this planet, so we constantly come up against those things. And so I'm pretty constantly working on those things as well. I think there's some parts of it that I'm naturally have a strength with. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense for me to be a life coach. Um, But you're sort of always kind of learning and growing and improving. And I um, was talking to a friend once. I was like, I feel like I don't have any hobbies. Like you have all the hobbies. I need a hobby. And she was like, I think taking like personal development courses is your hobby. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. I do that a lot. And I like it. Oh, that was such a good answer. The self-awareness thing is really interesting because like, I think that I used to view it as like, I will become self-aware and it's like a switch. And so like, I'm either self-aware or not self-aware, but now it's like, it's kind of like those Russian dolls with like another doll and another doll and another doll. It's like, as soon as you get to another layer of self-awareness, then you can like see more of yourself that you weren't aware of. And then you could be more self-aware and more self-aware and more self-aware and it never ends. You can go forever. I think of the, the onion, uh, like I'm, I have layers like an onion from Shrek or whatever. Um, 
I think too, when you get to a certain point, you start to release some of these identities that you maybe have previously identified with. And so your, your core is, it can be changing sometimes. Like, I don't think it has to always be the same. Like there are some things, sure. But when you start to realize that when you shift your mindset around things, you can sort of shift your personality. So then like it's continual self-awareness because it's changing subtly. It's very uncomfortable though. Like as soon as I have a realization where I'm like, oh, I'm not what I was or like, oh, I have like a fork in the road and I have the option to change like in a way that I want to change. It's actually really scary. Uh, Yeah. I think it depends. I think it can also be really freeing. You know, I kind of went through that a lot with my business and the name of my business, like Airy Fairy Feminist and like thinking that feminism was one way and I identified as a feminist. And so that meant I had to be a certain way. And then realizing that I can make feminism mean whatever I want it to mean. So in that way, it was challenging. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was scary. I'm probably not remembering how terrifying it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we forget some of the negative feelings. Before we get into joy and fun, which is going to be so fun to talk about, can you share one of your favorite either like confidence building tools or just like internal strengthening tools that you like to use in coaching? So I had a client who was talking about how she really relied on like external praise and compliments, especially at work. Um, So this will hopefully be helpful for your audience. And she was like, oh yeah, you know, I did this project and my boss was so happy with it and said I did such a good job. And I just felt like this jolt of like pride and she was pretty aware and to say, you know, how do I kind of disconnect from that in a way because like, yeah, it's great when that happens, but when it doesn't happen, like there can be the opposite, right? You can feel like shit because you worked really hard on something and then no one acknowledged it. And so I recommend to people, and this is something that I think originally comes from Abraham Hicks's The Rampage of Appreciation, but specifically about yourself. Usually when you're appreciating things, you're like, oh, I appreciate my home and the food that I have and like all these things. But I think to really sit down and appreciate things about yourself and to sit in that energy and to like list out like a lot of things that you appreciate about yourself and being careful that it's not just things you accomplish, but like actual attributes about yourself that you really love and enjoy. I think that helps increase the self-love that you have for you. Oh, that's so interesting. This might be helpful for anyone who like struggles with appreciation because I really struggle with self-appreciation too. I finally realized if I was listing things or writing things down, I was just thinking about them like I was intellectualizing them, but I wasn't actually stopping to feel the feeling of what it would make me feel. And so like it was just like an exercise, but it wasn't I wasn't feeling it because I was just using my brain to just think about it. Yeah. It is more about the energy of it and the feeling of it than the activity of writing it. That's why I like the rampage. You do it longer. So I feel like it gets you into it more than like writing three things from the day you appreciate because it can sort of be like, oh, there's the checkbox. I wrote the three things and I'm done, which if you're not appreciating at all, I think that's a really great start and then kind of intensifying it more. Oh, I love that so much. Now we're going to talk about joy and fun and bringing joy and fun into work, which is not like, I feel like there's a lot of 
assumptions out in the world that those things don't go together. And I feel like there are a lot of cultural stories and narratives that like work is not so fun. So I'm kind of excited to just get into this and talk about it and get all of your opinions. But before we dig in, I want to get us centered around a definition of joy. And like when I say joy and when I say fun and when I use those words, what that brings up for you, what that means for you. So joy... I think of alignment. So I think of just like being in the moment, being really open to what's happening and like leaning into happiness, if that makes sense. Like not being neutral about it, like Mm -hmm. being positive, feeling good and not holding yourself back from that feeling of feeling good. It's interesting because I feel like I do this sometimes. I've done a lot of mindfulness work and a lot of it is about being neutral. So I had this sort of freak out at one point where I was like, I'm so good at being neutral and non-reactive. I'm like, am I even like having fun anymore? (laughs) Like, am I even experiencing joy anymore? And so I feel like I have those moments where I'm kind of afraid that I'm not doing it. So this is going to be interesting conversation. Uh, Yeah. I've been thinking about that too. It's like, you can't remove all the negative. You can't just take it out completely because I feel like we need contrast to understand what good feels like and bad. So it's a whole thing. Okay. Let's talk about your relationship with joy in your career and where it was at the beginning and kind of how it evolved as you went on. Ooh, okay. So I think the most joyful part about work for me was always just being myself. Like, cause I'm kind of goofy and weird and loud and I can't turn it off. <laughs> Even if I try, like maybe, and you know, if I'm at a very somber kind of event, a funeral or something, you know, I can sort of <laughs> turn it off there. But yeah. when it came to work, I was really never able to. Um, my first boss, I always uh, talk about, I would just like go off on the rails about something random and she would just sort of like smile and nod at me like, okay, great. Um, <laughs> which is totally fine. But for me, that was always there. I think what helped me feel more joy was really the mindfulness piece, which we talked a lot about in the last episode we did together and being in the moment and not stressing out about work. So I think I always brought myself to it. And then it was about not taking it so seriously, not thinking about it all the time, gaining more perspective that, you know, I'm fundraising, like no one's living or dying by anything that I'm doing. So it doesn't matter. And I remember one evening being at home, you know how you do that thing when you have like a nine to five or mine was an eight to five. I don't know what nine to five is. We had eight to five and a one hour lunch. Um, and (laughs) I remember sitting at home and you're just like counting down the hours. So you have to go to work again, or you're like, okay, it's Friday. I've got all of these days. Oh, but then Sunday it's going to be like work is happening again. And I didn't dislike my job, but it was like, everything centered around work and when I had to go back and the things I had to do when I had to go back and was I going to check my work email or was I not? And I remember sitting there just being like, why am I stressing about work when I'm not at work? I am not getting paid right now. Like I'm not getting paid to think about this. So I don't need to think about it. And I feel like it was just a realization. And then I just sort of stopped. Like I brought that awareness to it and it just really helped me just stop doing it because there was no point. Yeah. I think time can feel really scarce also. And so like then when you have it, you're like, oh no, like there's not enough. And then there's going to be work again. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, 
in our society, it's like you get praised for like how seriously you take work and how much you work and how much you think about work. And if you go above and beyond or go the extra mile or all these things, as opposed to like, what if we just did our jobs and like, that was it, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's another thing that was sort of settled into me of like, oh, this is what success looks like is to be stressed out or to work more. And then I was like, oh no, screw that. You know, what's interesting though, is I've noticed with like execs and people who are at like CEO level, they are not, or at least from my outside in view, they are not stressed. They are calm. They have so much presence. And it's so interesting to me because I'm like, okay, like to get to that level where you're have that much that you have to mentally wrap your head around, you have to like drop all the mind chatter and actually just really focus on what matters. So I've just always been fascinated by that. Yeah. I don't know. I've worked in higher ed and nonprofit, so I don't know if I've had the same experience. Um, I think there's also this sense there's always more to do. Like it's never done. So at least where I've worked, I haven't necessarily had that same experience of leadership. Well, I just like see a little sliver, but I've always noticed that like they're, they never seem distracted. They're very focused. They have a very, no matter what their speaking style is, like almost a very calm, grounded energy about them. And so I find that really interesting because it's almost like they've, I'm guessing that they either naturally have, or have gotten to a certain level of peace and mastery of their thoughts that allows them to deeply focus exactly when they need to versus like when you are overwhelmed or like you're in those states of like, Oh, not enough time. Got to do more, all that. Like it's really hard actually to tap into really good thinking Mm -hmm. and like a really high performing state, at least for me, like it, it just crowds out all of the good stuff because that stuff takes up space. Yeah. Do you think that we ever block ourselves from feeling joy? Like, do you think we're ever the thing that stands between us and feeling good, feeling better at work? Always. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 100% of the time, I think um, that's something I teach in my online course is that perception is everything. Like everything that happens in our lives is fundamentally neutral. It's not good or bad or this or that. It's our thoughts and our, you know, maybe past experiences and it's our brain patterns that decide whether it's good or bad. So I think that's another thing that mindfulness helps with. You start to create some distance between the things that are happening and your thoughts around them. And then you can actually shift your thoughts you know, when that thing happens, like create a different thought and start thinking that and repeating that. And you can actually change your perception of any situation. Brene Brown talks about it too, the shitty first draft, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we get triggered, what's the crappy story we're telling ourselves like, oh, that person hates me. That's why they didn't say hi to me when I said hi to them in the hallway. But in reality, they maybe just didn't hear you Um, or they were just not focused. That was a pretty profound shift for me. I started to do is like anytime I got triggered by someone else or I felt like someone else was doing something to be, you know, rude or mean or whatever to me, I would make up a story that was like, they have some situation going on that's really hurting them. And 
and that's why they're doing this, which is true. If someone is actually being mean to you on purpose, it's because they're not loving themselves or something's going on with them. It, it never has anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think sometimes we want to get attached to like the not so positive way of seeing things. And like in a way- We love drama. We love it, right? Like it feels <laughs> juicy. It feels good. But like it actually doesn't make you feel better long-term even if you get relief in the moment, even if it's drama within yourself. Like even if it's, you're not like gossiping, but you're thinking like, oh, like that person is such an a-hole oh, yeah. or whatever it is. It's like, I think you you know at some level like that that's not really helping you feel the way you want to feel about the situation. Yeah. I think feeling vindicated or right and feeling happy are different or feeling good are different. Mm -hmm. I want to say we talked about this in the last episode too, but in my most recent office experience, you know, I started there kind of being driven crazy, at least sometimes by every single person, every single other staff member. It was fairly small staff, but still like that was a lot. And by the time I was getting ready to leave, I had totally worked on my mindset so that it was like, I really appreciate many things about every single person I work with. And I felt so much better for it. And they didn't change. Like they were still doing all the things they were doing, but I shifted my perception of them. And that made me so much more peaceful and relaxed and calm. Yeah, it's helpful. It's a hard thing to do, I think. And like in order to do that, you also like you have to have a lot of other things in place too, right? Like so for example, boundaries, like if you are comfortable or not comfortable with certain things, it's really almost hard to get to a peaceful place with someone who you find challenging if like you're not clear then about your boundaries, because then you know what works for you. And it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It just is. And hopefully everyone can find a way to respect each other. Humans are complicated. And I think throwing us in professional environment is like a little petri dish to yeah. watch what we do. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, it's 100%. It's it can be really bizarre. Okay, negative feelings and feeling bad. So when you're not feeling good and you're not able, like you're trying to get into a better state, you're trying to remain neutral and you're like, I can't. <laughs> what do you do you have anything you recommend in those situations or what is your approach around that? <laughs> Get pissed. Um, <laughs> I mean, be aware of your context and where you are. I remember when I was an undergrad, I did an internship and the instructor was making an argument about why venting wasn't useful. Mm. And I like completely disagreed. And I still do because for me, because I'm such a verbal processor, like venting for me was how I would feel those feelings. And my negative emotions come out more as anger and frustration rather than sadness. And so venting to someone else, not for them to like agree with me and be like, oh yeah, you're so right. That person sucks. But just like, I just need a sounding board to kind of go off of. And so that helped. Or if you need to cry, cry, like have, you know, you need other people too, who can be your community, whether it's someone at your office or not, maybe it's a friend or someone in a similar field, but in a different organization or something, don't just stuff it down. Cause that's something that I did a lot and it will pass more by you feeling your way through it. And it won't usually last that long than it will by trying to just go from like, oh, I'm pissed to like, no, I'm happy and everything's good. And you're like, you know, your teeth are all tensed and you're <laughs> not really, you're lying to yourself. Um, so I think finding a way to express that emotion, you know, some people 
work out or whatever or meditate, you know, that's more my thing or do yoga or whatever it is, but try to feel that feeling as quickly as you can. Now it's not always going to be appropriate to do that. Like in that exact moment with that person whom you might see as causing that feeling, but don't suppress it forever. Let it move. And hopefully in its moving, it will begin to move out if you actually stop and take the time to process it. And so before we get into the next section, tell listeners where they could find you and also what it's like to work with you. Oh, yeah. Um, I am most often on Instagram at Airy Fairy Feminist. I post to stories a lot. Send me a DM. I respond to every single DM that I get and it's super fun to hear from people. You can also go to my website, airyfairyfeminist.com. And on the theme of setting boundaries, I have a free five-day say no to say yes challenge. You just sign up and it comes to you automatically. So if setting boundaries is a challenge for you all, you can join that. And then what is it like to work with me? So I also have a podcast and I did an episode where a friend of mine actually let me coach her. And so there's a whole episode you can listen to on me coaching someone. So you can sort of see firsthand what it's like to work with me because it is very tailored to each person, but it's a lot of calling out some of the things that we've been talking about before and kind of getting specific strategies in place to experience more joy, right? Um, in your life and more fun and be your authentic self and how to do that in like a practical way. Oh, that's so good. So just like if someone wants to know, they can literally just here, hear the experience yeah, firsthand. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to link that. And with that, instead of doing a listener question today, we're going to do a challenge from you. And I wanted to ask you to give listeners a little small action step or something they can do like in the next week or the next few days to help find more joy and peace in their work environments. I would say, you know, I was talking to a client recently about she's struggling with being really hard on herself and not wanting to look stupid or like she doesn't know what she's talking mm -hmm. about. And I really resonate with that a lot. That was always a challenge for me. You know, I had older siblings, so a lot of things went over my head when I was very young and I learned how to not say anything unless I knew I was 100% right. Mm -hmm. So I got really good at being right and really bad at being vulnerable or open or asking questions. So I would say ask a stupid question or do something at work that you would do outside of work that's maybe a little bit silly or talk about something you're into that's not work related that someone might find surprising. You know, I didn't even notice this, but I had a colleague who told me that I make sound effects a lot. <laughs> Just, like, moving around, like I'll walk down the hall and I go, Ch -ch -ch -ch. Um, and I didn't even notice that. <laughs> But just bring yourself a little bit more to the workplace and show someone that fun side of you because we all have like the silly fun side of us and it just depends how much we've sort of pushed it away or pushed it down. But like that's joy for me is just like being a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that a lot. I had this one time at work where I thought I was alone in the office and I went into the kitchen to like get a snack, like a pack of baby carrots. And like, I didn't even realize I was doing it because like your noises, like you don't know you do it. And I was like, baby carrots. Like I just like started 
<laughs> and then someone on my team like walked in and I was like super embarrassed. It became a whole thing, but it was actually really funny. But I didn't even know I was doing it. I just like in that moment, my brain thought I was alone. So it's like sometimes yeah. you do something and you like realize you're like, oh, I'm not alone. But I was thinking I was. I need to stop. But That is so funny. Yeah, stuff like that. I just feel like work can be so serious and like it doesn't need to be like just breathe and just remember like what's actually really important in your life and you can be passionate about work. I think that's totally fine and you can enjoy your work, but the end of the day, it's like life. It's like life is what's important and very rarely is that work. Yes. And we're all humans. Like we're all people trying to do this together and we're all good people at the core. I believe like, I think we're, yeah, me too. you know, we're all positive. And so it's just sort of like, can we get to this place where more of that's coming out most of the time and like less of the challenging, stressful, doesn't feel good type of interactions. A belief that I have chosen is that we were all born kind of like fun, happy, optimistic people. And then it, we sort of learn to not be. So I think that can sort of help. And like, you're not changing who you are. If you're a really serious person, it's like you're releasing that stuff that is not actually you and you're getting back to the core of who you are. Totally. I think an older version of me would think that, oh, if I really am in my truest essence of who I am at work, then like I'm not going to be a high performer because I kind of perform well by pushing and forcing and doing all these things. But like actual creativity and like a really deep level of thought comes much better in a relaxed and open state. And I'm sure there's probably science out there that proves this. I would be really surprised if there wasn't. But yeah, it's not what you think at first, but I think it's common to sometimes hold on to that sense of control, not showing your personality, being like very square, being exactly how you think you need to be, because you kind of think that that is a pathway to success. And I learned over time that that's not true. And I guess I hope if anyone else is in that spot that they can start to see that too, because it's way more fun, like you said, to be yourself. Yeah. And I like to be an example or an expander for people of that because you might think this is good or bad. I think it's good. I, I like can't turn off who I am, no matter what the context, maybe I'll swear a little bit less or, you know, like a couple of little things, but my whole career, I was myself the whole entire time. And, you know, I got promotions and I did well and I was successful. I was the youngest head of a development office at a large institution of higher education probably ever. And that was all being the weirdo noise making (laughs) person that I am, you know, like I also got shit done, but I was still always me. I can't be anything else. Um, And so I hope that that shows people that they can do that too. And your course is called BU, right? That's what it's about. Yeah. It's called BU Awaken Your Inner Badass. And like the crux of it is exactly how you've lived your life, it sounds like. Yeah. Plus a bunch of the tools that I've sort of learned, uh, what I talked about before, of kind of the whole mindfulness personal development journey and sort of how to help other people get there. Because before it would have been like, oh yeah, this is who I am. Right. Why don't you just do this? (laughs) You know, the end. Um, And (laughs) so that wouldn't have made a very good course. Um, And so now it's just kind of bringing 
bringing in a lot of these other tools that can help people get to themselves, like not get to me or what I do or who I am, but like to get to who they are. Um, cause it's different for every person. Mm, I love that so much. And it's a perfect place to transition to the closing questions, which you've answered before, but I feel like I want to get the fresh version like the it's been like many months. It'll be interesting to compare them. But I always ask everyone to share what speaking up means to them um, and why they think it's important. Yeah, I think speaking up just means like, you know, when you want to speak up and like following that, because I've been in many a meeting where I'm like, Ooh, this is kind of not great. Uh, let me, and mine's always been more of like, maybe this is a blind spot that we're missing in our office or in our team or whatever. Like, this is a concern I have. I think more in the theme of today, like if you have a good idea or you have an idea, it doesn't have to be a good idea, just an idea that you want to, yes. yeah, like Amen. <laughs> Amen. just an idea that you want to share because that's like how the creative process works. And it can be really scary if you just want to have all the quote unquote right answers, which I'll tell you a secret. There are no right answers. Um, there's just what the best thing that we can come up with. So I would say speak up, even if it's just an idea that you're not fully confident in, you don't have to be, and maybe it'll go somewhere. Maybe it won't, but at least you'll have said it. And then someone else won't say it later. And you'd be like, Oh shit, I should (laughs) should have said that I had that idea. Yes. Confidence is sharing the idea that you're not totally sure is baked or perfect or exactly what you're supposed quote unquote supposed to say. Yeah. Cause if you wait until it's perfect and then you say it and still no one cares, man, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting though. I had such a tendency to really package up what I was going to say. And the less that I did that, the more joy I found in work. It's way more joyful to just be part of something and not be thinking so hard about making it perfect. Yeah. And it's easier then for other people to build on it because if they know you get really attached to your ideas and you're not going to be open to any altercation or altercation, alterations, alterations (laughs) or altercations to that idea, then that's where the creative process is sort of going to end because it's going to just get awkward. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense. I love that so much. When you said like share it even if it's bad, that like hit my soul. Yes, bad ideas. Well, first of all, there's no good, no bad. Just share it. Yeah, just share it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And then now for the final question, the context for the final question is I started this show to inspire and empower working women who might be maybe struggling with something or maybe looking to feel more empowered because that is something that I really needed and didn't have at certain points in my career. And so I always give this question to the guests to share any message or story or anything that's on their heart that they would want women to hear. Yeah. This quote came up yesterday when I was doing that business strategy intensive and it's been really sort of resonating with me. I actually, it's been sitting on my fridge for a while because I went somewhere like a printing press and they had extras of these. And I, so, you know, being open to things coming into your life and manifesting. And yesterday when I was thinking about what do I want to help people do and who do I want to help in my coaching, as I was finding that even more, this quote came to mind. So I'm just going to read it. It's from a Anais Nin, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, so I apologize. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Oh, that's so beautiful. Where did you find that? A random printing press. Oh my <laughs> god! I, I don't know if I had heard it before, um, but the, the person who said it is uh, A N A I with like the two dots above it, an umlaut. 
S and then her last, or I think it's a, yeah, it's a her. Her last name is Nin, N-I-N. And that's who I want to help is those people who are ready to take the risk and to blossom. And I think that's probably something every woman needs to hear, but I think probably your audience too. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's bonus episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And thank you to Charlotte for coming on the show a second time. If you want to hear more from her, go all the way back to the very beginning of the show. I interviewed her in episode seven, and she talked a lot about mindfulness and how to get some mental distance from work when things are feeling overwhelming or difficult. It was a great conversation. And And if you want to learn more about her, check out her website. I will link all of her stuff in the show notes. Her website is airyfairyfeminist.com. That's also her handle on Instagram. And I'll put all of her links below in case you want to learn more about her and the work that she does. With that, I wanted to thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. I hope you're having an incredible summer. I can say that I am. It's been warm where I am. It's been a very peaceful, easy summer. Things have been feeling good. And I hope that it's been the same for you. So I wanted to send some of my good feeling summer vibes towards you. And I hope that you're experiencing the same thing. With that, I will catch you in a few weeks. You will definitely be hearing season three get started in September. So sit tight and until then, have an amazing day and I'll catch you soon. Bye. Bye.